0: Hey, everybody. This is Greg. Happy holidays. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit before we get on with the podcast. And first of all, a big thank you to everybody. Everywhere Rob and I go, a lot of people come up to us and say how much they enjoy the podcast, and we enjoy making the podcast for you guys. So thank you so much for your support. And on that note, I want to let everybody know we're looking for two sponsors for 2019. So hit me up at gregrobertson at gmail.com if you're a company or you're interested in sponsoring we'd really love to continue this and i think we're just getting our getting started with this rob and i for the past year here of putting this on and uh, i think we're getting our kind of feet underneath this and and really getting a, a good vibe and flow and i would love a couple sponsors to be our participant in that so let me know gregrobertson at gmail.com and once again thanks to everybody happy holidays and now on with the show
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Industry Relations. If you can maybe make out in the background, there's a lot of noise because Greg and I are actually sitting together physically in the lobby of the Maria Marquis at the Inman Conference, Inman Connect Conference in New York. Greg, how are you?
0: Hola, Rob. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm staring right at you. It's really weird. And somebody else tried to do that to me the other day. And I'm like, no, only Greg gets that only, out of me. Greg, I that's good. I, I, like I like to hear that. I don't know what it is. Like I'm, a, I'm a one-man man, I guess, or <laughs> something. But here we are, yet another Inman.
0: Yeah, I know. It's uh, We're right in the middle of the things here. We'll see who right. kind of comes by and that's right. and uh, pops her head in. But, and we, um, right,
1: And we have an open mic in case uh, somebody wants to sit down and engage with us Mm -hmm. which will be uh interesting when did you get in did you get in yesterday i got in yesterday thankfully the shutdown apparently was averted by then i'm convinced that brad inman picked up the phone and made a phone call of course that's next that's right that's right so uh
0: yeah i mean it was how many inmans is this for you oh man i think i've been to every one except the first one so you're a
1: veteran i mean you've been coming to these things it's been a long time yeah so here's the question Has things changed? What's changed? What's new?
0: Yeah, I think um, when it first started, it was like, that was the advent of when the internet started coming into real estate, right? right? So it was there from that nascent beginnings, and you could talk about what was possible. So Brad being a very technical, technology-focused organization is the intersection of real estate and technology, as they say. It's kind of grown up with that. So this is where you kind of see and hear about the the next and the latest. Right. right? So, I don't think we sold more houses. Right? <laughs> but there's For a interest-
1: while we did. You know, <laughs> from like say 2005 to 2007. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, it's all, it's you know, the same players a lot of times, which I like to see. I mean, that's what I love about this industry. Sure. But you know, different models, different takes on things. But yeah, we're all just, you know, we're all trying to hustle, man. That's, yeah. At least on the vendor side, right? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the rotors have gone through incredible changes. The brokers That's have gone true. through incredible changes, and we
1: heard right? some of that this morning. I know we were both at uh, CEO Connect. That's right. Which yeah. is a separate track. I was on two panels, which I'm sure were amazing. I mean, they were just astonishingly. Once again, Rob, right, you just, it just nailed right? it. it. You saw angels descend from heaven. Was, I mean, was, yeah, yeah. no, no. In seriousness, though, what would you think of it? I mean, because I think I, I ended up being a little bit late. So I mean, you were there for yeah. A lot so of
0: it. the. Um, Brad has been doing these things. Um, It's off of the regular Inman show, and it's uh, extra money (laughs) to to do these things. And uh, it started off with, I thought it was a big draw. It was, uh, well, two things. It was held at Carnegie Hall, right? Right. So that was kind of cool. That's right. And first speaker was he interviewed Robert Refkin from Compass. Right. And I thought that was kind of fascinating. And it's funny with the line of questioning that Brad had for Mr. Refkin, was uh, talking about. Obviously, a lot of inside knowledge Brad had, and oh. you could see um, Rob Repkin like really get kind of like he actually said something like, "Wow, you really do have an inside oh, wow. track, right?" Oh. So, and this is just you know some scuttlebutt about a lot of agents being maybe pissed off that hey, why did she get this and I only got that, or oh. why did he get this and I only got that? Oh. A lot of those kind of conversations. Oh, that's not things.
1: something you want to be airing out in public. No, no, no. Oh. And so, uh,
0: as he is, he's a very, very good, uh, very good, very good speaker. You know, he's not his first rodeo. He talked about, like, you know, Brad asked him if he was going to buy some more things. He says, yeah, but probably not at the same multiples. Right. He was, like, really, he wants this year to be more of a, we have this, let's kind of, like, be this for a while and try to get everything right. Not, you know, do this hyper growth that they've been doing. He didn't say that he was going to not buy some stuff, but, I mean, it was, it sounded very clear to me that they were having some indigestion, right? So oh, gotcha. to okay. kind of process gotcha. that stuff. They also talked a little bit about when they bought PU, Pacific Union, right. and the hubbub behind that. Because if you remember, Inman got the scoop and basically wrote the story before even Pacific Union agents knew. Right. And <laughs> it's like finding out you've been traded from the newspaper. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's it was awful. And in, in fact, <laughs> Rob said that they were on a company retreat to make matters worse. Right. Right. And... Then Rob like focused in like please tell me the leak didn't come from Compass it had to come from right. Pacific Union, and Brad shared a story no it was actually a um, it was an email that was sent by Compass's legal department right with I think some deal points right and I guess what had happened is that whoever sent it put the wrong person in the oh. CC line. <laughs> So, it wasn't like they got it from <laughs> right, right. Legal, right, right. but the person that, that got this, who wasn't supposed to get this, right. I guess then, who he didn't disclose, right. you know, Brad didn't disclose, right. had sent it off there. So, you could just look at Rob, Rob's face and just see him going, oh, man. Oh, my just
1: God. Just that's...
0: Because it was. It, it sounded like it was a scramble city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. understood that why Brad published it, but sure. um, at the same time, he really wished it didn't go down that right. way.
1: Yeah. Right, right.
0: Um, and then... What else did he talk about? He talked about the MLS. He brought the MLS. Redfin did. Yes. Okay, well, what was his point about and the MLS? And he, he's, um, it's, it's kind of funny listening to him say this, but he's, he's very concerned that the aggregators, he wouldn't name Zillow or Trulier. Sure, right. And Redfin are really, that's where all the clients are going to. Right. Right, and he thought this was kind of a problem for the MLS and that their alerts were better and, you know, some other kind of things. And he said, you know... Uh, Bob Hale was sitting in the front row, and right. he says, "I mean, the only I, I gotta say, Bob, because you have a portal that's been doing well. I wish every MLS in the world, every MLS in the country, had a portal like yours, Bob. Because right. otherwise, I'm not sure about the future of MLS." And I'm, wow. I thought it was, it was a little to me a little bit naive too, because you know I don't think he was really. I, again, most people make this mistake, but somebody in his position of not truly understanding, it's you know, it's not a database. Everybody goes back and right. like, well, the data's you know. It's cooperation compensation. If he's saying Zillow and, and Redfin are taking over that, and I don't think he's right. He's not being well served as far as somebody who's telling him that. But you know, basically he's lamenting of how the goddamn aggregators have control, right? which is what everybody's you know pissed <laughs> off about. Right? How do we lose it to the aggregators? Right.
1: Well, I mean that, that horse done left the yeah. barn. The barn's burned down. Right. But we keep talking about it every freaking yeah. year. But I find it interesting that he mentioned Redfin.
0: Yes. Because one of the things that I well, took away... Well, he mentioned the context that a lot of the buyers or something were using Redfin and basically half a surrender half a commission, right? What? So, what do you mean? How did he put it? Again, like, I'm not ex- sure he, you know exactly how it works. Is it about partner agents? No, I think what he's worried about is that if people go to Redfin, they're surrendering half their commission. Mm, I don't... Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I see a little, that. It was a yeah. little bit, like I said... He's got a lot of issues. I'm not sure he's thought them all the way through, right yeah
1: or he's been brief, but yeah. what i'm what I'm finding interesting is obviously I you know I got there in time for you know a couple of panels and I saw you know obviously right. I had to do a couple of mine. but you know, so listening to the conversation from stage at least, and there were some you know big name brokers yeah. big name agents, like some amazing people, I still have this like clear memory of Ben Kinney, who did a great job by the way, yeah. you know, and in his grave, like very serious, like you got to take him seriously voice you know saying like really knocking on compass and on exp and what really struck me was okay fine knock on compass exp if you want like i I don't have a dog in that fight who cares but it's it's almost like the entire industry is intentionally ignoring the most significant force on the scene right now which is not zillow it's redfin right why is that like i can't quite understand it
0: i think it's it's again this kind of bright shiny object i mean Redfin's been around a while, a while, right? I right. mean, Compass is just kind of on the scene. They raised a billion dollars or right. whatever it is, right? Um, so it it is that it's a topic de jour of, of a lot of different brokerages and agents, right? And they're really everything old is new again, right? I mean, lending money to agents. we were, you know, finding mm-hmm. out Prudential mm-hmm. did that a lot for brokers. I should say, right? Company credit cards, which is one of the things he went after. Oh, yeah, he <laughs> <It> was <laughs> kind of, kind of the mean same about, it, thing like, about it.
1: Yeah, instead of companies giving agent credit cards, maybe they should teach agents how to. Manage their money better, yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a zinger.
0: You yeah. Know? Uh, well, I mean, you could argue that, that you know they're also giving them COOs, right? Right. There's obviously a little bit bitterness out there on that, and uh, um, so
1: here's a question for you because you and I both obviously know this industry pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. What has to happen before the, in- the industry as a whole? Starts to take Redfin really seriously.
0: Well, so when was this big, you know, we had talked about this on previous podcasts of like this big campaign they were going to do. Redfin, right. like it spent some money to kind of, you know, um, 1% listing. fee. Right. Did that start? I mean, I know there was a YouTube commercial. Right.
1: But I think they said it was going to start Q1 of 19. So it should be, if not now, you know, fairly soon.
0: Right. Because, I, I mean, we've seen some billboards. There was a YouTube commercial. Yep. Are they doing this on YouTube and I have no idea. I mean
1: But they're committed between forty and sixty million dollars. So, yeah. so t- I so, imagine there's some T V involved, right?
0: Yeah, to answer the question then I would say they've gotta get some sort of traction, right? They got they've gotta capture people that go Everybody's going to their site, right? I mean, so market
1: So you're talking market share. Yeah. It's, it, right. it,
0: they got a lot of people going to their site, but they don't convert well to them becoming clients, right? right. So this campaign, I think, is supposed to help them out with that. So when they start capturing more people, I think you'll start seeing that happen, but... Give me
1: an over-under, I suppose, in a way. What's the number? Because right now, Redfin's sub-1% market share nationally. Right. I think in their home market of Seattle, they're like at three and a half, six, per- something like that. They're a yeah. single-digit It's a digit weird percent- market there, though. Right. But it's a single-digit percentage. Yeah. So, do you think it's at 10% market share nationwide, 15%? Like, what is the market share at which everybody is like, we got to talk about oh, this juggernaut? I, I think like 5% everybody's fucking talking 5%, about. 5%? Absolutely, yeah. That, that's five times the current size. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Could you imagine those guys are five times the current
0: yeah. size? Does anybody have, I mean, NRT, I guess, right? What? What are, what are their percentage? I mean, we might be looking like idiots here. As yeah, NRT read. might be only three percent, right? So, but
1: we know that in local markets, there are certain dominant firms, right? Yes. Like Windermere in the Seattle market, supposed to have like thirty percent market share. Right. You know, we know that RealEG as a whole touches one out of every five transactions, so they have almost twenty percent share right. across everything. Right. right. So you know yeah I mean 5% is is a lot it's a lot but that's one company
0: so what do you think is it is it less than that do they really only need to be um, maybe it's 5% I don't know yeah
1: but you know I got into this whole debate yesterday about you know about that and the 1% is going to have an impact and I guess what's interesting to me is we don't know but I find it interesting we're at an industry
0: conference we're not talking about it at all well they are a little bit under the radar I mean those guys are just operators right I mean they're Focused on gross margin and they're not going to these shows, right? Cause it is, you know, <laughs> when I went to that, uh, prop tech summit, I mean, Glenn made it a point. It's like, listen, man, I flew in today because right. I didn't, w- we didn't want to spend a hotel room. Right. I mean, when the C, when you're that fanatical right. about right. your margins, I mean, CEO
1: flies coach, yo,
0: you know, in, in, in the day of, yeah. And he's couch surfing, you know, basically. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glenn's a cool cat. I and- mean, those guys are, uh, yeah. Fanatical.
1: All right, so going back to the MLS thing a little bit, because obviously we had this panel, you know, and the MLS is such a hot topic. I feel like whenever we step out of the MLS industry, in other words, typically, you know, you have these conversations about MLS in front of like MLS people, association people. So it's like, we've been having this conversation for 10 years. You get in front of a bunch of brokers and franchisors and tech company CEOs, they haven't been part of that for, you know, as long as we have. Right. I mean, what do you think of their takeaway was from that whole conversation? Um, Which by the way is is the MLS you know numbered and then taking into that Robert Refkin's comment into that, I mean, what do you think like the rest of the industry thinks of what's going on in MLS and association world?
0: Uh, again, I, I think for the tech vendor standpoint, they still a lot of especially the new ones still don't get it. Right. this is a, a great example is what, I think it was Eric Stegman that really kind of first brought this to light was with House Canary. Right. So
1: he's Explain like- what happened to House Canary.
0: Okay. So Eric noticed that on behalf of his brokers, they do some feeds to- There's a broker clients. It's next Next door, next door right? right. And then one day he gets a call or some sort of communication from Nextdoor saying, hey, we're going to have this other company do the aggregation of data feeds. And it was uh, House Canary. So right. that was kind of odd. Why right. would they be doing that? Right. Anyway- Apparently, he got this. Well, they have this site. It's called Come Home. He went there and he noticed there's a lot of listings there. And, like, it just didn't seem right to him. And I picked this. He wrote something about it on Facebook. I picked it up and right. I contacted my local MLS and said, Hey, there's a lot of your listings on there. Did these, it just, there's something seems odd here. Does yeah. this smell right? And uh, they came back and told me, No, they don't have any rights to this. Right. <laughs> Nothing, right? And then I guess Eric had posted some more stuff that he'd contact a couple of MLSs and they don't even have a contract or anything with them, right? Right. I think one of them, one of the MLSs said they have a, an agreement, but the agreement is for back-end stuff and like more data processing or right. analytics than it is for public display of data, right. of MLS data, which is right. a big deal. So I wrote something about it, right? And I called it, uh, is House Canary stealing your data, right? Right. And they contacted me immediately, right? <laughs> and I, I don't know who it was, but... right. Or, was it like contacting you, like, we're
1: pissed off at you? or is They're it pissed like, off and they are, wanted to take it down sorry. because it was
0: not true. Oh. And that, you know, they have agreements with all the MLSs and, oh. you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, so it was really refuting what Eric was saying. Right. Like, I told him, I said, I did some my, my own homework and right. it seems like that's not the case. And I would <laughs> check with A, B, and C before whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I didn't take it down. I did change the title. Uh, but but it's just the hubris of, of them. Right. And... Everything else about it—it's just again. Once you think people understand this industry, they don't. They don't know. <laughs> the other thing to find out is that they're an NAR reach partner. Oh, okay. And <laughs> one of the the caveats of being a reach partner is that because of the relationship NAR has with News Corp, is you right. can't fund a company that does public display of listings. Oh, I didn't know that. Because it would compete against Realtor.com. Oh, I didn't know that. So these guys are bigger bozos than I freaking thought, right? Um, they're violating all kinds of... Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, since then, they've taken all the listings down. Sure. They're not there anymore. Because of that, they've taken all the listings down now, right? Yeah. I don't know what what because of what, but I think they found out. And, you know, they're playing like, oh, we didn't know. We thought we had... I mean, listen, they're a data company. They got $64 million in funding. Right. Their whole thing is about getting data, analyzing and up evaluations. You can't tell me the, that these guys don't know how to, know how to read a data contract. Right, Bullshit. Right, right. Right. So, but this... You know, going back to your first question, this is what I think. Everybody just doesn't—they don't understand, right? They don't understand the cooperation and compensation about the MLS. They—they they think it's just data. It's just data, right? Well, who cares? I mean, you know, you, you talk to some of these guys. Well, yeah, we have a site up. Who cares, right? <laughs> so it's just—and it, it, what it you is, gonna do? It's—it's it's quirky because, yeah. in a sense, one thing of data is so limited, right there. So it's—I think the tech community still has a is struggling to uh, struggling with that, right? So how do we overcome
1: that? I mean, how do we get to the point where, because, you know, you'll hear both sides, right? A lot of folks, and especially in the tech space, going, like, what the hell? It's just data. Like, yeah. we need the data. So, because we want to add value to consumers, to our clients, or, you know, to the brokers and agents or whatever. Like, just give us the freaking data. They just, des- you know, they deserve it. We're doing stuff for them. And the other hand, it's stuff like this that's coming up. Yeah. where It's like, yeah, but not really, you know? So, how does this get resolved?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, as I said, Refkin was, you know, was very uh, concerned about the aggregators. I don't know. I mean, it just seems to me if you're if you're building your whole business on data, as far as just that data, I mean, as you said, the, the fucking ship has sailed, right? Yeah. So they got to come up with something else. But at the same time, we're still, and I guess for good reasons. I mean, there was some work that went into the find out to get that house and everything right. else. But it's it's tough. It's tough. I, I don't I don't know how to solve it. And some that, people should say it's just the data should be free. You know, we. Right. You you were laughing at me like about the Parker principles, right? And right. like one of the Parker principles was, you know, all the data should right. be you know right. flowing and like, but still, right. I advocate like an MLS, <laughs> which basically is exactly right. the opposite of that. It's right. Like curates the data, cleans the data, makes the data available, but it's not free. But there are some value. Well, there's two
1: different sense of the term free, right? There's right. free like it's cost you zero, right? And there's free like it's been liberated. Yes. And I'm thinking the Parker Principles meant data should be liberated, yes. not correct that it should be, you know, correct. zero cost. I think that's part of the joy and the frustration of Inmin, right, is sometimes you feel like you're caught in a time loop. It's like, didn't I just have this conversation like last year? Didn't we talk about this four years ago and we're still having the same thing? And yet the part of the comfort is, despite having the same conversation year over year, Nothing's blown up You know like
0: Well I wouldn't say that I mean I remember when uh, I think 2016 Brad had made It was the year Of the iBuyer Right Yeah And you look around Right now um, With all the money That's been put into Open Door
1: Yeah And some of these Other things And not just raised 400 million yo I mean that's Blowing up but it hasn't blown up like the entire structure, right? Entire not industry. yet, but
0: I mean, it takes a while, right? What, what is the old Bill Gates quote about, you know, people overestimate what could happen in a year and right. underestimate what happened in 10 years, right?
2: Oh, no, good point. You know,
0: you've had, you've had Open Door out there for four years now. Right. I've heard the stat from other people in, in Phoenix where they first launched. If you added up all the iBuyers, yeah. not just Open Door, I'm saying right. the all ones that are doing that. Yeah. It's in double digits now as far as market share. Isn't that insane? I mean, That's so crazy. there's, you know, there's, this, there's something there, man. Yeah. Um, so, it is it is a lot of the same, but at the same time, I think Brad calls it a lot of times. I think he's maybe it's not. A, I think that the latte vision right. turned into almost the eye buyer thing, right? Where now you have this, you know, Adrees Horowitz talking about the you know you're going to institutional. Yeah, will be under buying a real estate from a company, right? Yeah. So you know, it's all yeah. I, which
1: which is why I've been. I mean, I I'm completely on board. I think Rampell called it. So maybe the next set of conversations that needs to happen in and around this thing, because everybody's so afraid of like agents and everyone wants to talk about agents, like how emotional and how great agents are never going to go away. And I'm like, yes, that's all true. So we almost always keep attacking strong men, right? Whereas the real thing that Rampelle says, the great agents will be around. It'll just be under a company yeah. because those guys can't do the data processing. They can't do the science. They can't do the tech. Yeah. They can't do any of that. And he's describing
0: Redfin, isn't he? He is describing yeah. Redfin.
1: I mean, that was kind of my point. He's yeah. like, that's why I find it fascinating we're not talking about
0: that. Well, you know, part of it could be by design in a sense where, again, just by the, the fact of like, they're not spending a lot of money on frivolous things. Right. They're not out there a lot. Right. They're not pounding their chests and walking around here and right. and got the big boost and all that kind of shit, right? So it's like this under-the-radar approach. They're sneaky, right? <laughs> you know, they're just... <laughs> while we're, you know, making stupid podcasts and drinking gin and tonics... That's right.
1: Are we drinking up, gin and
0: tonics right now? Because no, well, we please, need some gin and tonics yeah. that are up in here. While the industry is doing all this, the little elves at fucking Redfin are freaking, you know, hammering away, right? working, you know, whistling while they work and... Right toiling and toiling and toiling and then boom something happens right
1: yeah we'll see what ends up happening so
0: here we are at uh, the lobby so we
1: wanted to do a quick little catch-up i think we're going to start grabbing random passers-by yeah. and start doing episodes and in fact greg just snared one right now uh,
0: mr sam Deboard, maybe he'll join us here on a on a rando have a seat sam
2: have a seat mr debord Hi, fellas. (laughs) All right, we got you. Please introduce yourself. I am uh, Sam DeBoard. I'm a uh, managing broker with Coldwell Banker Danforth in Seattle, and I'm currently a little bit scared at being invited to sit down here. (laughs) Now, were you there for the CEO connect for the whole
0: thing or just your panel? Uh, Most of it. Most of it, okay. Did you see um, Ben Kenny talk? I did. So what did did you think about that jab about companies shouldn't be giving their agent's credit cards. Focusing more on stock instead of making sales
1: or something along those
2: lines. I think Ben is a fantastic business person and he makes a lot of sense. It doesn't mean there's not great marketing in credit cards and access to leverage for your agents and stock options. Although I think most people probably need to do a lot more research on what the value of certain stock options might be. I don't think that's something that most of us in real estate are... It's not our background, but... There's value in that option, but I think you know if you're looking at the market shift, Ben's absolutely right that agents should be getting prepped by their brokers right now to cut back where they need to and uh, focus yeah, on there the was bottom Yeah, there's some good mind. advice there as far yeah, as just absolutely. Um, yeah. standard uh, money management, right? Yeah, yeah without sure. a doubt. That's Every broker should be talking to their folks about that right now. You know,
0: and that stock thing, it brings something up is that um, I had a friend of mine and she went to go work for EXP. Mm-hmm. She was, um, this is I think in the, in the uh, Central Valley area. And then one day on Facebook, I noticed that she uh, was now working for Remax. And when she went to work for AXP, I called her up and I'm like, hey, I've been hearing a lot about this company. Can you tell me why? And she was over the moon about stock options and this rev share and this virtual world that she didn't have to, you know, all this kind of whatever, right? And I'm like... You were so adamant. Sam
1: just made a face.
0: (laughs) But no, I mean, she was like, and this is great because I know her and I can can get the real skinny. Sure. And I called her. So what what the fuck happened, man? I mean, when I talked to you, it was all roses and whatever. And uh, what she was telling me was happening. And this is, again, firsthand from an agent, right? So I'm not trying to bash or whatever. Sure. But it just sounds like they're going through a lot of growing pains, right? So they just, you know, they weren't getting their checks in time you know, the virtual world was not as handy as possible, you know, and because they bought so many big teams, it seems like the bigger teams were getting a lot of focus, but individual agents like her were not getting that focus. And then because of the timing of getting, you know, payouts, I mean, she says, you want to fuck with any agent, delay them getting paid and they're they're going to do that. She, <laughs> she brought a couple people on and then finally just said to them, I, I can't, I can't vouch for this anymore, right? So... Um, I think all these things are, I think it makes sense only because they're growing so fast. They're trying to work through these things, but to me, what it told me was, this is all so goddamn fragile, right? You can be the hottest thing on the planet and then a couple missteps, right? And I think Compass is going through that, I mean, he already apologized for some rollout, right? Right, Um, right. Talk about the growing pains, EXP, yep, yep. and everything else. It's, so everybody thinks they've got it going on, and it's just it goes back to basics, man. Pay your agents on time. Well, that's right? that's
2: a huge thing. Yes, yeah. basics is a good starting point. <laughs> um, I, I can't speak to the logistics of uh, you know what's happening there. I think most companies you probably see more focus on big agent teams than yeah. you would if it's an individual. Right. I think the interesting thing. I don't know if you saw um, Steve Murray's research on stock options, or mm-hmm. if, if right. agents are interested in equity, and if that's something that actually creates loyalty. And their research basically said that agents are interested. It is something that absolutely brings people into the fold, but it actually doesn't create loyalty. So there may be value there. Oh, It might wow. be things that people actually do. So, so yeah. it, there's something to it, but not loyalty. Not retention value. And, and that's, again, this is Steve Murray's. I'm sure we could look up the actual stats. But I think once you look at models that are based on recruiting other agents, once you have a lot of those out there, too, that's another component, there's absolutely value in it. I mean, maybe that's your role, is you're a recruiter. You're downline, right? Um, right, but, yeah. but you're not the only one doing that anymore. And while that was really unique at KW for a while, um, and it got criticism and, and positive reviews, there's more and more of that available now. So everybody's testing out the waters on where, where the retention models so, are. I want to ask you something,
1: because you did such a great job on the franchise panel. He's
2: smiling that too much I... right now.
1: No, because I'm happy to see you. That's all it is. Okay. So you did such a great job on the franchise panel you know, that I you moderated. You did such a great job leading it. Yeah. Um but I think you know, started. when I was up there, I thought it would be so cool to have Sam be my partner on the MLS panel, making the argument for why the MLS like time on earth is limited. Oh god. So what's the best argument you could come up
0: with? I want to go to like archive.org and find every Inman concert <laughs> com- conference concert. and right. find that one session of the death of the MLS. Right. And they're all named different places. Right, every year, right. Every sure. year. right.
2: Well, I mean, you, you know, I've never heard Sam try to make that argument. So you, you've made some great points that I think there are some defenses to, but I clearly have always been a staunch advocate for the MLS and not just because that's the area I work in, but I think it does greater things for the greater good, for fair housing opportunities, et cetera. There's a lot more than just business sense. So I certainly wouldn't argue against it. But I think your, your points in terms of when we get into association governance, slowing MLSs down to the point that They can't keep up with what their brokers need, so the brokers go elsewhere. Now, does that end up being another MLS? Probably. Or does that end up being a different kind of MLS, a different structure? But where the association and its associated businesses lose control over that MLS, that's absolutely a possibility if brokers' demands aren't kept up with. And that's why we see things like upstream, where whether or not you like the folks involved or the way they brought that about, which Rob and Greg is. We love this. Alex
1: Lang here. No, Just we want like to point Alex. that out.
2: It's, it, so there's a lot of good people in there, a lot of frustrations with brokers, and not everyone liked the way that was presented to the community, but uh, at the same time, the brokers get to a point where they start looking for a way around issues they're having that's not an issue with the vast majority of large, well-run MLSs, but then you've got some of them small that work well, and some of them that really, really don't work well, and... NAR and is have a minimum standard of how they're supposed to be serving their customers if they're going to charge them dues. So were you
0: there for Rob Refkin's uh, remarks about the MLS? I wish I had been. Yeah, yeah.
2: I've heard some good rumors.
0: Yeah, it's just it was a little odd to me. But
2: yeah. So uh, go feed into that a little bit.
0: No, we were we were just talking about it. Yeah. It's just, it. It seemed like I'm not sure if he really got like, you know, again, a lot of these tech companies, and I guess they're not really a tech company, but they... It's all about, oh, it's a database. And, and he thought that Zillow and Redfin were taking over the MLS. Well, we don't need to go to the MLS anymore because we've got, all my agents have got, you know, Zillow and Redfin. I'm like, uh, not really.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a, that's a big mischaracterization of how the MLS works, and I think he probably knows that. I think the difficulty with some of the newer tech entrants now is uh, some of us know the frustration. We've been through it for a long time. We're used to some of it. But at the same time, when these companies say they're all in on the MLS which they need to be if they want everybody to standardize data and provide them the tools they want, then be all in on the MLS and don't create these little private networks where you're controlling who can see the listings and who they can sell to Uh, you're not all in if you're also doing a side network where the sellers are not getting full exposure maybe the buyers are maybe not getting full price Mm -hmm. it's okay that those are options in the ibuyer markets and everything else but you have to make a stand one way or another i think
0: it was more of like he's building this big business and then finally woke up and and he kind of realized holy shit these guys have put themselves right in the fucking middle here right every broker has to deal with that but for what he's trying to do, it's like he wants to be transformational in a sense. But you know what? Zillow's saying, no, nah, motherfucker, you're still paying me.
2: Right? Every, every <laughs> tech like, vendor. damn, what the hell? But right? every tech vendor's dealt with that forever. Yeah. Right. And that's the fact they are a broker and a tech vendor, and it's what they do. And the frustrations don't surprise anyone who's, who's been doing this a long time. Most tech vendors didn't have a billion and a half to spend. Right. But at the same time, those hurdles are still in the way, and there's probably frustration there. So...
1: Touching back on what you said about franchises, because I did find it interesting, sure. now that we're no longer acting, we're right. no longer performing right. on so stage. So just,
0: just to clear for the listeners, right. there was a panel that Rob Correct. moderated.
1: Right. It was something was,
0: about... Do people really need a franchise right. or anymore? And
1: I thought that was just a dumb way of phrasing that question, if you will, because the obvious answer is no, no one really needs a franchise. Just like no one really needs like a BMW. You know what I mean? Like, So it's really more a question of what is the value of the franchise? Right like what does a franchise bring and and I thought you know Sam and Charlie did a really good job of defending that value right having said that now that we're back like no longer performing the right. question I've got is what do you think franchises need to do more in light of things like Compass in light of things like EXP in light of iBuyers in light of all these things that are happening you know what you said about like consumers know the brand Look, I could take issue with that but it's almost not important It's It's important to me but okay Let's even assume that they do Is that enough value Or do they need to do something more
2: yeah, so if you're talking about what they need to do more in the future is that yeah. they need to make their value offerings more obvious and easy to use for their agents. Most people in a franchise system, I mean, we see this every day, agents can't remember where this tool is, how to log into this one. They ask us about a product they're going to buy and we say, we already have it for you, we've already yeah. paid for it. Right. So it Happens on the MLS um, side too. Well, and it's the simplest idea in terms of a dashboard, but there's so many companies with different politics that don't want to put all their products into the same dashboard. It's in the vendor space, in the MLS space. So if you can't get a single dashboard even if you know single sign on would be great but for agents to start their day every day and say here's my MLS here's my broker tools here's my realtor tools here's my Coldwell Banker tools whatever your brand happens to be it's it's such a simple idea but it really does affect agents day to day and how they see the value of the brand and the company right. that they work for then you think the brands haven't done that yet? They haven't, no. I, and I think they're all trying to transition. Now, some of them probably have. Clearly, I work in one sort of silo, and there's different companies with different setups. But I don't see it as being seamless in a lot of ways. And most of the vendors are not necessarily set up in a way where um, they can work directly with MLS data and you've got everybody on yeah, on one yeah. platform and, and there's participants a yeah. lot of reasons for that I, I know that it sounds oversimplified but because I had an indie brokerage with my business partner before and have been part of Coldwell Banker as we started selling more high-end real estate we made a conscious decision that consumers cared about putting a, a listing sign in their yard or when they called in we're coming in from California we're coming from New York we're coming from China and we want to buy or look at high-end um, property in your area, the brand matters. I mean, it's the it's minimum bar that people say that's a professional company, and Indy can do that, but you have to explain who you are to everyone okay. as they come in from out of the area. So it's a conscious decision that really good agents are really all that matters, but if the consumer has a trust level in a brand, for whatever reason that is, the brand has built that trust up, then leverage it, and it's worth the cost.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Dottie put it really well. She saw the main drawback of that is that you're, you're building somebody else's brand, sure. right? And, sure. But I mean, I, but you had the perfect comeback. I mean, well, I've got to focus. And at the end of the day, as you said, it's only, it's the agents that matter. Right? So instead of spending that energy building this brand, I can focus on what we all know is the case, and that's our, our human resources, right? And Vanessa yeah. has
2: a great response if you're the kind of person who really wants to be creative. Your thing is branding. Right. I want my yeah. own identity. Right. And a lot of agents are like that. I've got to have my own thing. I'm going to spend so much time on personal brand. And a lot of agents would say, just give me scale and give me efficient tools yeah. and let right. me go sell. Different people, different, different priorities. for different folks. All right. Well, I thought you did a fantastic job. And- well, I thought you just laid those softballs out there for me, so I appreciated <laughs> trying to hit them out of the park.
1: <laughs> so let me ask, what uh, what are you looking forward to most? I mean, what do you hope to gain out of this week in New York City? It's Freezing our asses off.
2: Yes, that definitely. A little bit of soju maybe if I'm lucky. A little bit of karaoke. That could happen, we could make that happen. Yeah. I think, actually, the uh, the interesting thing is, I mean, you guys have been going to these events for so long now. The first couple years I went to an Inman Connect, I sort of laughed at a lot of the crazy tech ideas. Right, and I right. think a lot of us do that. Yeah. And they flew these clunky drones around on stage, and everybody said, that's not going to happen. They talked about iBuyers, everybody said, that's not going to happen. After doing this for long enough, you have to believe some of these things will. Now we know, you see some of them and know it won't fly but it's just exciting to come and know you're gonna see some things that well, are going to drones be my buy buyers. buyers are
0: happening I mean you sure know. exactly <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: what's the craziest idea we saw that didn't happen the, that was like all hyped and then
2: the unbundling of real estate services that's into true a that cafeteria did not happen. menu those yeah, have all yeah, failed yeah. badly yeah might have been ex- execution but none right. of us really thought that was going to work well right.
1: that didn't happen um I'm trying to think what else I
2: think I think there's still the
0: holy Grail is still on the mortgage side right just you know, they I talk so. about, like, you know, it's a 45-day process or whatever. Um, and there's been a lot of companies that have tried to tackle that. Uh, but financing, the piece is hard. I, I, Pat Stone, I think, did a great job of talking about how there's still kind of a little stink to mortgage loans, right? But all the corporate debt's going up crazy. Right. right? So he's yeah. like, yeah. we got to take that stink off of us and put it onto that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, you know, financials... Uh, you know, loans and mortgages and all that stuff is still something really ready to be disrupted. I, I think, really, to me, there's a couple companies out of, out of this. Um, Divi is one I know of, but I've also heard this on other things. Fractional ownership. Uh-huh. I think that's a fucking great idea. I want to be a 50% owner along with J.P. Morgan in my house, right? You know, nobody ever washed a rental car, right, as, as uh, Buffett used to say, right? right? So I'm in there. I got in the house that I want with my family. All I'm saying is that when I sell it, somebody else is going to make part of that sure. and right. sure. then now consumers and banks are aligned now you have a symbiotic relationship between your customer you've got they've got to do well for you to do well right so it's not this like i'm gonna ninja loans and fuck these guys until i can get you know, raise up my profits right yeah. it's like you're in business with them now. right uh, but, but yeah think about that i mean think about like all the i would live in southern california you know how you got you know you have offices out there it's I look at my employees. You know, one moved to Texas, one moved out to um, uh, Vegas, one moved out to Tennessee. I mean, why? Because they couldn't. Vegas not, and Tennessee. They couldn't buy a goddamn house for right. their families. Right. right. Are these employees
1: sure. that moved? Are they like left-wing Californians? Because no,
0: no, no. Stop exporting them to developers. No go down no. that. But I mean, I just, I just think it's such a great idea of like getting more people into homes.
2: Right. Yeah, and more responsibilities obviously involved with that when you've got a partner in the home, but it's a great way to get people in. I think the thing that, you know, you're referring to in terms of the timing on mortgage, which is still a huge opportunity is these folks who are taking the lending away from the institutional lenders. So, you've got a lot of these platforms now where they've got the cash available, they're going to make yeah. the transactions happen immediately and then refinance yeah, it the on the back end. Thing, right? That's the exciting part where if the bigger broker just can get involved in that and allow their agents and their clients to do it as well, You've got massive opportunity there. So, what is required for the bigger brokers to do that? Massive financial partners who don't have the same regulatory, or in some areas, just a subscription cloud CMA. Banks? Oh, well, yes,
1: we'll yes. See. I heard there Except was a platform that, yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, and apparently there was some anger and agony around that. This episode <laughs> of Injury just brought
0: you by <laughs> <laughs> Bong Bong <bung>, Cloud CMA.
1: <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think uh, we're actually out of time because. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about all kinds of shit, like, forever. but We
2: probably will afterwards. Yeah, we will.
1: I mean, who knows? If we have time, we'll do another one of these in yeah. the lobby. And uh, we'd like to thank yeah, our thanks,
2: drop-in Sam. guest, it. Sam. I would like to thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it was so, our uh, pleasure. So, anything new in your future? I mean, you,
0: you looking at any other opportunities? Uh, I am open looking other at things, growing
2: business. That's good. Growing business. That's right. what we do. Scale, scale, scale. All right. <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs>
0: and
1: to our uh, listeners, uh, we obviously wouldn't be doing this without you all. So, thank you for joining us. And
0: until uh, next time, it's been Industry Relations. Bum, bung, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs>